Good to I uh, hope today finds you all well, and I hope that the subject that we'll study this morning will be of interest to you, and it'll be a thoughtful study. This morning, for a little while, I want us to consider the topic of encouragement. And the reason why I want us to consider this subject is because I believe that there are people all around us who need to be encouraged. I believe that we ourselves oftentimes need to be encouraged. Can you think of someone in your life who's an encourager? Someone who motivates you, someone who has always supported you, someone who has fired you up when you needed to be fired up, someone who has stimulated your mind to persevere through adversity. Can you think of someone like that in your life? I hope there is someone like that in your life. I think that we all need encouragement. We all need an encourager in our life. Jesus was an encourager, and he taught it. The Apostle Paul was an encourager, and he taught it. You know, I googled the word encouragement, and this is the definition that I came up with. If you google the word, it says, the action of giving support, confidence, or hope. You see, encouragement is not really an emotion. Encouragement is really an action. And so if you're going to encourage somebody, it's going to require you to act. You've either got to do something or you've got to say something to them. And the purpose of that action is to bring them hope. The purpose of that action is to bring them support. And the purpose of that action is to give them a new confidence. That's what we want to do when we want to encourage somebody. All throughout the scriptures, we find this word parakalesis. It's a Greek word. It's found roughly 29 times in the King James Bible. And an example of it's found in 1 Timothy. When Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. That word exhortation there comes from that Greek word parakalesis. And if you define what parakalesis is, it simply is solace. It's comfort, it's consolation, it's exhortation, and it's encouragement. In other words, Timothy, when Paul was saying this, till I come, give attendance to reading and to encouragement to the doctrine. Paul was telling him, Timothy, that he needed to be encourager. Here, Timothy's at Ephesus. Paul had sent Timothy there to, to be a leader of that congregation. That congregation was having issues with false teachers coming in. And so Paul saw in the need to, to send Timothy there to be a leader, to be a good influence to those people. And it was kind of a daunting task, really, because it would really be no different if we sent somebody like Matt or Dylan to a congregation somewhere far off that had all kinds of problems, and we're going to send a young person in there to go over there and to fix those problems and to be a strong influence in those people's lives. That would be a challenging task. And so what Paul was telling him to do was for you to be able to accomplish that task, for you to be able to have success and to be influential, you've got to read the scriptures in the congregation and you've got to encourage people while you're there. And you've also got to teach sound doctrine. Why do you think it's important that we encourage one another? You know, if we think about it in the context of Paul to Timothy, I think it was very sound advice for Paul to tell him to encourage people. 
You think a, a young man who's going to go to a congregation with people who are three times his age, and he's going to have to come in there and potentially tell them, yeah, you're teaching the wrong things. That's going to be a hard task. There's going to be people there that say, who are you? I've been, I've been a Christian twice as long as you are, and you're going to come in here and tell me that I'm doing something wrong? You see, it was important that Paul conveyed to him that he be an encourager. And the reason why is when you encourage people and you genuinely mean it, what you're showing them is that you care about them. That you acknowledge something good in their life. That you see a talent that they have. And that you're able and willing to express that to them. And ultimately when you do that, what you show them is you show them that you care about them. And when people think that you genuinely care about them, then you can take down the barriers around your heart, their heart and you can be more influential to them. And so I think that's why Paul was telling him there that he needed to be an encourager to them. For him to have success in the things that he was going to have to do, he was going to have to see the good in those people there and to support them by giving them affirmation. Another reason why I think that we need to encourage one another is found in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13. And that is that we need to encourage one another so that we don't become bitter against one another. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You know, I don't think that it's any uh, new news to us that we live in a broken world. We live in a world where sin steals joy. We live in a world where our perspective dims. We live in a world where our resolve weakens. We live in a world where our bodies decay and things happen to us and we get sad news such as we heard this morning. That's just the microcosm in which we live. And it's real easy if people are not being encouraged to be discouraged. And when people are not encouraged, people begin to feel like they're forsaken. People begin to feel like they're unwanted. People begin to feel like they're useless. And so one of the commands that the Hebrew writer gives us here is that we need to exhort one another. And that word exhort there is the same Greek word parakalesis. In other words, encourage one another, solace one another, comfort one another, so that we don't become hardened against each other. And so it's very important that we understand the need and the necessity of being able to give each other grace-filled reminders from time to time. Another reason why I think it's important that you and I should encourage one another. Paul, writing to the Thessalonians, said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 18, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That word comfort there comes from the same Greek word, parakalesis. Or in other words, encourage one another with these words. When Paul wrote uh, 1 Thessalonians, he wrote it in a situation in which he had just recently left that congregation. It was a church in Thessalonica. Paul had actually founded that church, and it wasn't soon after, like a few months after he had founded that church, that he was basically ran out of town. Uh, he was under duress of persecution, and so he left. And as he was traveling through Athens, he had made the decision that he was going to send uh, Timothy back to this region to basically give him a report of what was going on at the congregation. And Paul actually wrote this letter, I think, from Corinth. But he, nonetheless, sent Timothy there. And I think what he expected was is that he was going to get a report back, being such that it was such a young church, being that he was afraid that false doctrine was being taught, that they would be compromised. 
But what he ultimately found out when Timothy gave him a report is they were actually doing quite well. That they were actually encouraging one another. They were supporting one another. They were teaching the right things. And Paul himself was encouraged by this. And so he wrote 1 Thessalonians. And 1 Thessalonians is a letter to the church there at Thessalonica. And the entire letter that he wrote was a letter of encouragement to those people. Encouraging them to stay the course. Encouraging them to keep doing what they were doing. And specifically what he's talking there in, in chapter 4 and verse 18 when he says comfort people with these words, he's talking about the return of Christ. Because just like us, there were people who lived then who had lost loved ones. There were people who would face the inevitability of death. And so what he was talking about is not to lose heart, not to lose hope that God has overcome this world, that Jesus has been resurrected from the grave, that he's going to come back and to receive his own, and that at the resurrection day that people will be resurrected and they will be met with him in the air. And that was supposed to be a message of support. That was supposed to be a message of comfort to those people. And so what Paul was telling them there is, is if you get discouraged, remind them of this fact. Remind them of the fact that Jesus is conqueror, that Jesus overcame the grave. He goes on uh, a chapter later in verse 14 <clears throat> to say this, We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, keep the weak, and be patient with them all. I think that um, the second point that we're making here is the reason why it's important to encourage one another is that we're simply instructed to do that. And that's a, that's a pretty clear command there that we have an obligation and a duty to encourage one another. And I think that sometimes it can be real easy to maybe give the excuse or to maybe say that, well, I'm more of a reserved person or I'm more of a quiet person or I'm more of a shy person. And I'll tell you that I think there's a lot of wisdom in being a quiet person. I think Proverbs is pretty clear about that. And I wish I, I was more quiet at times. There's something to say about a meek and, and a soft-spoken person. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom in that. But I think that we need to be able to counterbalance the two. There's a difference in isolating yourself, and there's a difference in just living a quiet, meek, peaceable life. And so if you're someone who feels like you're more shy or more reserved, you might consider the fact that you know it's not a daunting task to be complimentary of other people. It's not something that's requiring a lot of you. It just to genuinely see the good in other people and to express that to them, to build them up, to support them, to provide them hope, and to give them a new confidence. The third reason why I think it's important that we should encourage one another is that Jesus himself was an encourager. In John chapter 14, in verse 27, the scripture reads, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so really hours before the death of Jesus, Jesus spent his time trying to encourage his disciples. If you go back to John chapter 16 there at the, at the end of that chapter, what did Jesus tell them? He says, in this world, I think was referenced this morning, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Jesus spent his life encouraging other people. Now don't get me wrong, I think that we're aware of times that Jesus could be very pointed, he could be very direct, yeah, he could be very convicting with some of the speech that he had. And particularly, that's when he was addressing a lot of the religious leaders of that day. But Jesus, overall, I think when you look at the totality of his life, was an encourager. He spent the final hours of his life trying to encourage other people to stay the course and to not abandon their faith. 
He was trying to explain to them that you know, when he left this earth that he wasn't going to leave them as orphans, but that he was going to provide them a helper. He's talking about the Holy Spirit there. He spent his life encouraging people, not only by his speech. When Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, he looked out and had compassion on all those people. What did he say? He said, for those of you who worry, look at the lilies of the field, look at the birds of the air. Does God not take care of them? How much more is he going to take care of you? Encouraging those people. When Jesus would walk through the streets of a city, there would be people who tried to throw themselves at him. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus would stop. Jesus would stop for a politician. He would stop for an officer. But he would also stop for the lowest of society. I'm blind. Give me my sight back. And Jesus would do that. People saw that encouraging that the kingdom of God was for all people, that Jesus loved all people. Jesus was an encourager by his actions and by his speech. When we're talking about encouragement, really what we're talking about at the core of it is relationships. Our whole faith is centered on relationships. It's relationship from man to God. It's relationship from man to Christ. It's relationship from man to the Holy Spirit. And it's relationship from man to one another. And so when we're encouraging other people, and we're actively doing that, and we're carrying out what the Word tells us to do, what we are doing is we're exercising a relationship with one another that God intends for us to do. God intends for us to be encouraging to one another. Jesus himself needed encouragement. Yes, the Son of God needed encouragement himself. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36 through 38, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus basically said this. He said, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, um, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. The sons of Zebedee being James and John. And so here Jesus in the final hours of his life when he goes into the garden of Gethsemane basically took his disciples with him. But he took three in particular and picked them out and brought them closer to him with him while he went to pray. You see, Jesus needed support. There was nothing that Peter, James, or John could have done for him in that hour. Nothing. He just wanted their presence. He wanted them to be there with him. And you know, sometimes people just need us to be there with them. Sometimes there's nothing you can do for somebody. But there's times that you can be with them. You might not have the right words to say to them. You might not have the magic pill to give to somebody, but you can support there by being there for them. And that's what Jesus needed. The New Testament church really shattered the spirit of the Roman Empire in the first century. The Roman Empire was a very cold, it was a very calloused, it was a very authoritative dictatorship it was a very structured class system with direct, distinct lines. And when the church was formed and people began to start serving one another, you were no longer now a Jew walking down the streets of, of Rome and taking care of your own. Your neighbor at that time was another Jew. But when Jesus came and said, no, your neighbor is everyone, you would have people who were converting to Christianity who were running around serving other people who needed, meeting the needs of other people at their own expense. And the Roman government looked at that while a Jew would walk down the street and pick up a Roman beggar. And they were just baffled by it because they were doing what Christ asked them to do. As one historian put it, they literally turned the world upside down. 
an encouragement to one another, an encouragement to, to build up at that time the, the inception of the church. So what does meaningful encouragement look like? You know, I think that there are things that we do in our day-to-day that are casual pleasantries where, you know, we compliment somebody and tell them we like their hair, we tell them that we like their suit jacket or something like that. And those things are nice and those things are, uh, I think, uh, appropriate and needed at time. But what I'm talking about is something that's much more personal. I'm talking about something uh, that's more centered around our faith. I want to look at an individual who was considered um, a great encourager in the Bible. And that's an individual that we read of by the name of Barnabas. In Acts chapter 4, in verses 36 through 37, the scripture reads, Thus Joseph, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so here we see a person who's identified specifically as an encourager. I think that there are a lot of people who have a lot of talents, who have a lot of things they're good at, but apparently uh, this individual was known for his ability to be able to encourage. And when I think about Barnabas, Barnabas, there's really two aspects of his life. This instance right here where the church was formed, the church was very new. It needed funding. It needed something to to help it grow. Could you imagine if 3,000 people were saved in one day in here? We would have to be cycling out water. We would need a new building. There would be so many things that we would need. And Barnabas had some property and basically sold that property and went and gave it to the apostles so that they could use it to help the weak, that they could use it for helping the church grow. And so by doing that, many people considered him to be an encourager. He's also the same individual who basically stuck his neck out there for the apostle Paul. When Paul was in Acts chapter 9, when he was Saul of Tarsus and he was traveling on the road to Damascus on his way to round up Christians to persecute him, Jesus met him there and basically told him, Saul, what are you doing? Why are you trying to fight a battle that you can't win, Saul? And we know that he was converted on that road to Damascus and that he was blind and that basically he was led by Ananias and eventually he was found by Barnabas. Well, guess what? When the apostle Paul had been converted, he was going into Jerusalem and nobody wanted anything to do with him because all he had ever done was persecute the church. And so Barnabas was the individual that went out there and said, this is a man called of God. This is a man that is here for the purpose of serving the church. And so Barnabas did that. And the point I want to make from that is that you never know how far encouragement can go in somebody's life. Could you imagine if the Apostle Paul was, didn't write those letters? We wouldn't have the epistles today if it weren't for basically the act of Barnabas being able to, to go out there and to vouch for him and Paul being able to do the things he did. Maybe the Lord would have worked it another way. I don't know, but I know that his action had a great effect in what Paul did later on in his ministry. And so how do we encourage people? I've talked about that a little bit. We encourage people by our speech, and we encourage people by our actions. And I don't want to say a whole lot about that, but I think as far as encouraging people with our speech, it needs to be genuine, right? It needs to be genuine. You need to tell them if you're going to compliment somebody, if you're going to support somebody, what you tell them needs to be true. And I'll give you an example of this, and I'm kind of bad about it. Nathan this week started t-ball. He had his first t-ball practice on Thursday. And I have always told myself, I was telling Danny this this morning, that I'm never going to be that crazy parent that's at the fence screaming at the umpire, screaming at the coaches, and telling my kid to choke up on a bat. I'm not going to be that person. 
But I also don't want to be the person too that, you know, that it doesn't encourage you, that it doesn't matter that you, you get what you put into something. There's winners and there's losers in the game that you're playing. I want, I want to be a good dad. I want to strike that balance. But you know what? I want my son to do good too. I want to encourage him. He has first practice on Thursday. The entire practice, I just sat there and told him what a good job he was doing. He was throwing bounce passes back to the catcher, but literally, that's all I could do. Son, you're doing great. Oh, you hit that ball so hard. You got a good catch. We, we, on the way to the car, all I did was tell him how good he did. We went over to Austin Bowery's later. And son, I was so proud of you. You did such a good job. T to the point where Jessica said, you got to stop. Like, you got to stop. I think you're doing more harm than you're doing good. You, you mean it out of a sincerity because you, you want to encourage him to do good, but there's a point where it can just be fake too, right? I mean, he's got a lot of things to work on. I want him to be good. I wanted to encourage him. But what I, I can do it and we can do it in a way that we balance it with being genuine and being sincere in how we treat other people. I think when we talk to other people and we encourage other people, we need to use scripture to do that. I think that we need to be good listeners too. Sometimes it's just good to be quiet and to let them talk. Sometimes I think it's okay to just provide affirmation to them to know that you care about them, that you're thinking about them, that you're praying for them. We have a lot of people in this congregation who encourage me. There's a lot of great encouragers here. People who come with good attitudes, people who you couldn't tell if they had a bad day. I'm I think about Linda. She has such a great attitude when she comes into church, you wouldn't know if she had a bad day. Always cheerful and always bringing a smile to other people, and that's the type of people that I want us to all be. Another thing as far as encouraging people is the way that we do it. We might not be able to move the world for them. We might not be able to give them, you know, tons of money or do anything like that, but we can, we can smile at somebody. We can do that. We can show people that we genuinely care about them, that we can encourage them. And so in conclusion, I want us to be encouragers. Um, I want us to realize the need that we need to encourage one another. Jesus was an encourager, and he taught it. The Apostle Paul was an encourager, and he taught it. I think encouragement saves lives. I think literally that there have probably been people on their deathbed in a hospital, but because a child of God went in there and held their hand and told them, we're going to get through this, or we're going to trust in God through this situation, it gave them an inspiration to succeed. It gave them an inspiration to continue. That's the type of people that we want to be. Let's have the insight to see the value and the good in other people. And let's encourage people with the things that they're good at. But let's do it in an honest way. And I want to leave you with the words of Paul when he wrote to the Romans in chapter 15, verse 2. He said, let us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And so the call to action this morning is who do you know in your life this week who needs encouragement? You may not know who that person is right now. It may come to you later on. It might be the governor of Texas. It might be at someone at work. It might be your spouse. It might be your child. But who is it in your life that needs encouragement? And what are you going to do to support them? What are you going to do to provide them hope? And what are you going to do to give them a new confidence through your actions or through your speech? I think that we have uh, a great congregation. I think that we have really good encouragers here and every one of you in your own way in fact I asked Matt for a list of everyone at the congregation and I was going to do this but I started writing everything that I find good in every member in this congregation I've got a list because I see something good in every one of you I might not know some of you well yet but I will get to know you 
and the things that I can see on first impressions and the things I know about the people that I've been around, I see some attributes and I see some talents and I want to acknowledge that. I may have not expressed it to you yet, but I want to know that I'm thinking about it and I want to challenge you to do the same thing for other people. I appreciate your attention this morning. I hope the things that we've studied have been uh, beneficial to you. I hope they've been literally encouraging to you. I hope it's been a call to action for you to to want to encourage other people and to do what the Lord has called us to do and to do what Paul has called us to do. So at this time, we're going to stand and sing a song that's been selected. Every song.